Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. So, here at the end of, of 2020, many of us are talking about, uh, you know, when I talk with people, we are, we're not sad to see 2020 go. Goodbye, 2020. Um, we are hopeful for what 2021 will hold. Looking forward to that. And we've got a lot of things to say about 2020. Uh, how we're tired of it. Uh, how we don't like it. How we're glad to see you go. Uh, we, we get, 2020, we got a lot to say about you. And we don't, they're all, it's all bad. <laughs> we don't like you. Um, <clears throat> if we're wise, though, if we're wise, we should pause and uh, ask 2020 if it has anything to say about us. What do you have to say about us, 2020? Whenever you face something challenging, it's an opportunity to, uh, to find out something about yourself. And so uh, what did you find out about yourself in 2020? What did you find out about, what does 2020 have to say about you? What does 2020 have to say about you? If a, if a global pandemic happened, then what, it, what would it reveal about who you are? What would it say about who you are? What would it say about? So um, Madeline Carlisle is a writer for Time Magazine. And she wrote an article um, uh, about a guy named Greg Daly. And Greg Daly is a newspaper delivery man. That's his job. Um, so the article explains how one of the people on his route is 88-year-old Phyllis, uh, Phyllis Ross. And in mid-March, Phyllis talked to, um, talk, talk to Greg, and she asked Greg if he would throw her newspaper closer to her porch because she was terrified of going outside. Um, she didn't want to get she didn't want to get COVID. Um, and so she asked him if she would throw that closer to the porch. So again, Chris brought up a great good point. Any of you who've worked in retail during, during the Christmas season or any time, um, you know, requests like this can be, you know, taken in one of two ways. You know, you can be like, sure, I can do that. <laughs> I'd be glad to do that for you. Uh, or, you know, you, yeah, he accommodates her. He says, okay, I'll, I'll do that. There you go. 2020, for 2020, Greg has done his good deed for 2020. I will make sure your newspaper gets thrown closer to your... And if you've ever had a paper route, you know what this is like. Uh, you, okay, I'll remember your house and I'll make sure to throw it extra far and get your newspaper close to your porch. Uh, so... You know, he, he agrees to do that. And, you know, for, the, for him, for 2020, that he could have been, that's my good deed for 2020. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. A couple of days later, he call, Greg calls Phyllis, and he's thinking, okay, if she, she's afraid to go outside to pick up her newspaper, then how does she feel about going to the grocery store? So he picks up the phone, and he calls her and asks her, if she would like him to pick up something for her from the grocery store. And of course, she's like, heck yes, I would. <laughs> and in fact, why, could you also get something for my neighbor while you're there at the grocery store? 
And he accommodates her. He, he does that. He does that for her. So now, for sure, he has done his good deed for 2020. He's picking up groceries for someone on his route, Phyllis, and someone who's not on his route, <laughs> the neighbor, also. So, you know, he's done his good deed for 2020. He doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop there. So what he does is he puts a note in every newspaper for the 800 homes on his route that basically says the same thing. If you need something from the grocery store, give me a call, let me know, and I will help you out. And before he even got home delivering all the papers, the calls start rolling in. And before you know it, he and his family are helping to deliver groceries to 140 different homes on his route. That's pretty incredible. Uh, and no charge. He doesn't charge them. He doesn't charge them. And I, don't, I don't know how the details work, how, he, how the groceries get paid for, but he doesn't charge them. And I, it, it's just a mind-blowing story. It's a mind-blowing story. Uh, and Greg, Greg, uh, he, he's quoted as saying, other than raising his kids, this is the most rewarding thing he's ever done in his life. So certainly he's a hero. He's, he's done something, you know, really, really awesome. And that's what 2020 has to say about Greg. 2020 would say, Greg, you're a hero. If, if tw- Greg said, hey, 2020, what do you have to say about me? Gre- 2020 would say, Greg, you're a hero. You're a hero. And that is what I would like 2020 to have to say about me. You know, when I hear a story like that, I like to imagine that that's the kind of person that I would be, that that I would be going down my paper route and I wouldn't be getting super ticked off that she would ask me to throw her newspaper close to her her porch, that I would imagine how I could help her more, what I could do more. I want to be that kind of person. Um, uh, And I want to be that kind of person for my family, um, I want to be that kind of person for, for my church family. I, I want to be that kind of person in my life. And, and when I get through something difficult or I get through a challenging year, when I get through 2020, I want to be able to walk up to 2020 and I say, 2020, what do you have to say about me? And I want to say, Daryl, you were a hero. Daryl, you were the man. Daryl, you did it right. Daryl, you, 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 you did what you were supposed to do. But if you're like me in difficult situations, they, difficult situations exhaust me. 2020 has exhausted me. I'm sick of wearing masks. I'm sick of playing games. I'm sick of going through the hoops. I'm sick of doing the things. I'm sick of hearing complaints. I'm sick of hearing people. I'm sick of people getting mad at me for doing that, not doing the right thing and saying, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. Goodbye, 2020. I don't, I don't want to talk to you ever again. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Tired. Difficult situations often exhaust me and bring out the worst in me. Vince Lombardi says this. He says, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Vince Lombardi is a football coach. Um, That's probably an understatement, right? (laughs) For those of you know who he is. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Fatigue brings out the worst in me. And if I'm honest... I'm tired. I'm tired. So on Christmas Day, my, my family was looking at me, and I, I was just like uh, zoned out, sitting there. I think drool was coming down. Uh, it was, I, 
tired. Tired. And if 2020 could talk, maybe it was, maybe that's what I mean, it would say about me. Maybe, maybe it would say, you know, Daryl, you know, you've been tired and you're a coward. You didn't do what you're supposed to do. That's not what I want anyone to be able to say about me, certainly. Instead, when I'm tired, what I want to do is I want to, I want to let that bring out the best in me. When I'm tired, what I want to happen, when difficult things happen, I want to be the, I want, I want to be the person that rises to the occasion like Greg. Um, I, 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 want to, I want to step in and be the person who delivers groceries or does the right thing, or whatever it is. I want, I want to be that person. And I, I think that you do too. I think that you do too. Um, I think we all want to be that person. And for us to be that kind of person over us, it, 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 it's one thing to be that kind of person like in a moment. Like, you hold the door open for somebody even though you don't want to or you know it's cold out or something like that. You, you know, in that one second, it's, good, it's, it's easy to be the, the, the guy. But over a sustained period of time, to be the guy over and over in, in all the hard situations, it takes something different. It takes something special. It takes something more than just you muscled into it or you, trying to be, you tried really hard. It takes the third place. The third place, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm going to call the third place. And third place is the way of love. The third place is the way of love. So during the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about what this kind of love looks like, what the third place looks like. So I'll talk with some of you guys before about how Jesus' apostles, his 12 closest followers, um, of, of those guys, there was a guy named John. He's probably the last one alive. He's probably exhausted um, John's faced an incredible amount of things in his life. He, he watched Jesus, his, his best, best friend. He watched him crucified. Die. For any of us who, who would watch something like that happen to our best friend, that would, we'd be in counseling forever. He watched that happen. He's been arrested for following Jesus. Um, he's been put in prison for following Jesus. Um, the, people have tried to kill him several times for following Jesus. He's been beaten near to death for following Jesus. He's been put on an island, left to die all alone for following Jesus. And he's had a lifetime of living something far more challenging than, than COVID or a pandemic. He's lived an exhausting life. He's lived an exhausting life. And if this was, if this was, if this was really true of every person, then John wouldn't live the life that he lived because nobody can call John a coward, even though he's lived an exhausting, tiresome life. He's had a lifetime of ridiculousness. And yet at the end of his life, at the end of his life, toward, toward the end of his life is when he writes what he remembers about being with Jesus. And when he write, one of the things he writes is just about you know, how following Jesus was so awesome. Right when Jesus was about to be arrested for things that he, he had said, John remembers Jesus saying this. He says this, I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the father has told me to say. 
Jesus tells us that people were so angry because of what Jesus had said that they're, they're amped up to kill him. They're amped up to kill him. They're so angry at Jesus for what he had said that they're amped up to kill him. Not things that he did, things that he just said, which is really interesting, right? Like in our culture, in our country, we typically don't kill people just for things that they say. Some of you want to kill people for things they say. Jesus, I, I, I think that's very interesting. And I think that says a lot about us because certainly people, people can say things to bring the worst out of me, right? They can make me respond very poorly. If they say the right thing, they can bring the worst out of me. Not, not, for, not even for anything that they do. They don't have to touch me, but they say the right thing. This is what's happening to Jesus. Jesus isn't being killed for what he did. He's being killed for what he said. And that's, that's disturbing. That's disturbing. In another situation, people are getting ready to kill Jesus. And Jesus says to them, you know, I've done many things. I've done many things that have come from the Father. Which of these good things are you about to kill me for? And they say, oh, we're not going to kill you for any of the things that you've done. We're going to kill you for what you said. <laughs> Oh, I see. And Jesus' response is this. This is what he says. I only say what the Father says. Check it out. I only say what the Father says. I follow him. He comes first. I do what he says. I do what he says. And right after Jesus says this, Jesus, John, John, John tells us this story. He says this. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas. That's one of Jesus' closest followers. The devil had already prompted Judas the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. And then right after Jesus does that, he asks his disciples, do you understand what I just did for you? Do you get what just happened right now? Do you understand what just happened? I took third place. Do you get it? Do you see that is what I lived for this whole time. I took third place. Do you get it? And then, and then, he, and then he says, it, he, he goes the next step. He says, and that is what you must live for. You must live for third place. I took third place. Do what I did. I, I want you. You see the way that I did? That is what I want you to do. Now that you've seen me take third place, I want you to do that for each other. So um, some of you guys know that this year there was supposed to be an Olympics held. Canceled. Postponed. In 2021, there's supposed to be a, an Olympics in Tokyo. Um, 
I don't have to tell you that for athletes who get to participate in the Olympics, it's hard to, hard to describe, right? It's a moment of a lifetime. It's, it's, it's getting to, to, to compete against the greatest athletes in the world, on the biggest stage in the world. It, it's, some of the athletes prepare their whole lives to be able to go to an Olympics and, and compete. Because obviously, most of them are not going to win. They're, some of them just say, I just want to get there. I just want to be in the same room as these guys. But of course, their dream is to win, right? Their dream is to win first place. To win first place. And in the Olympics, in the Olympics, when you win the first place, something very, very cool happens. They have this little ceremony and you get to stand on this podium and they put a medal around your neck and they play your national anthem and the whole world has to sit and listen to your national anthem. Well, everyone acknowledges you're the best. You did it. You're number one. You're number one in the world. And it's a super emotional moment. Lots of athletes cry. Lots of people who are not even related to the athlete, they cry. It's, it's just a, it's a powerful moment. If you've ever seen it happen, it's just, it's a super awesome moment. It, and it takes, I mean, it, it takes a lifetime of sacrifice to get there for most of these guys. It takes a lifetime of sacrifice, of hard work, coming together in a single moment, in a single moment. So, now, now I want you to imagine this. Now what I want you to imagine is this. Imagine if I got to go to the Tokyo Olympics next year. And I stayed in the Holiday Inn close to where the, the, the arena is. And I wake up one morning, I get the free breakfast. I eat like some waffles, some sausage. And then I stroll my butt over to the arena and I walk myself up onto the podium and I get up in the first, first place and I say, okay, uh, I want one of y'all to put a medal on me and I want you to play my song. And I, don't play the national anthem. I kind of like Michael Jackson Thriller. Could you play that for me? I like that. Put a medal on me and play my song. Now, it's not going to be long before I get arrested, right? Nobody uh, would say that it would be right for me to do that. There are lots of people. And, and, and if the Olympic Committee, they said, oh, Daryl's here. It's okay. It's cool. Let's put a medal on him and let's play his song. He's number one. You would be appalled by that. You would say, that is wrong. He didn't do anything to earn it. He just walked, he got, he ate waffles for breakfast. You know, some of them athletes ain't ate waffles in years so that they can get their butts up on this podium. But they, Daryl, he got up and he walked himself out. He got out of his bed and he walked himself up onto the first place. And he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't deserve it. You shouldn't give it to him. 
And all of us would be appalled if they did. Right. Here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. In our lives, every day, you and me, we roll out of bed. And here's what we do. (sighs) All righty, what's going on today? This day is me. Uh, What do I want to eat? What do I want to do next? You and me, we roll out of bed and we take our butts and we walk ourselves right up onto first place. I'm number one. Every day. Every day. And we ain't offended by that. And if somebody pulls us aside and says, hey, Daryl, did you earn that? No, I didn't earn it. It's my life. You and me, we walk ourselves up onto this podium every day and we say, put a medal on me and play my song. And that's typically, that's not typically, that's okay. That's okay if I'm by myself. If I'm in my room by myself, I can walk myself up onto this podium and I can stand in first place. The problem comes when I bump into you. Because not only do I want you, not only do I want to put myself up here, I want you to put me up here too. And when you don't, I get mad. That's why, I mean, that's why we have drama between us because you don't do what I want you to do, right? I've got an idea in my mind of what I want you to do and how I want you to act and when you don't do it. Um, I don't like that. You're going to have to fix that. We all want to be in first place, right? It's It's getting crowded up here. And in fact, if somebody came up here and came up, up here and tried to get me down for first place, we're going to fight. We're going to fight. John tells us that before the world began, Jesus was in first place. Before the world began, Jesus was in first place. He said, in the beginning was Christ and Christ was with God and he was God. He was in first place. He was in first place. And everything that was made was made through Christ, including us. And when we were made, we brought sin into the world and we screwed things up. And in order for us to be with him, God had to have that sin be paid for. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. John tells us that Jesus becomes human. And I'm not sure at what point in history this happens, but at some point, Jesus steps down out of first place And he moves over to second and he says, Father, you in the first place and I'm in this place. You tell me what to say, I'm going to say it. You tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. Everything, every single thing you command, I'm going to do it. Everything you say to say, I'm going to say it. I wonder when that happened. I wonder what that woman, was it when he actually came down here, became a baby or was it before that? He submits to the Father so much that Jesus says, I don't do anything. I don't do anything on my own. I don't say anything on my own. I only say what the Father tells me to say. What would that be like if when I woke up that I I decided that idea? You know what? Today I'm I'm only going to say what the Father says for me to say. I might say a lot less, right? 
he submits to the father. Jesus starts in first place, but he willingly puts himself in second place for the father, for you and for me. I've talked before with some of you guys about the idea of how um, it was common for foot washings to happen when you went to somebody's house uh, 2,000 years ago. And often the lowest servant's job the, in the house, there were several servants. The lowest servant's job, that was that, was, that, was that servant's job to, um, to wash feet as people came in. But here's the thing, here's the thing. 2,000 years ago, everybody didn't have servants, right? Did everybody have servants 2,000 years ago? I mean, there were lots of people who were not rich enough to have any servants. So, if that's the case, and I'm hosting you, to come over for dinner, whose job is it to wash feet? It's the host job, right? It's the host job. If I wanted to honor you, if I wanted to honor the people who are coming to my house, I would wash your feet. But at the very least, at the very, very least, what I would do is I'd provide water for you to wash your own feet. A historian named Luke tells this story. In one circumstance, Jesus is invited to, to a religious leader's house. And while he's at the house, they're all sitting together. And this religious leader doesn't have any servants and he doesn't provide any water for feet washing. So they all sit down, and while Jesus is sitting down, a woman who people say is sinful comes in and starts crying over Jesus' feet, and then she wets his hair, wets his feet with her tears, and then wipes his feet with her hair. Now, do you think about that? Who in your life would you be willing to wipe their feet, not clean feet, with your hair? When that happens, the religious leader says, he thinks to himself, he doesn't say it out loud. He thinks, if Jesus was a prophet, then he would know that this woman is sinful, is, is sinful and she would, he would not let her touch him. And Jesus, knowing what the religious leader is thinking, he says, hey, when I came into your house, you didn't even give me water to wash my own feet. You didn't honor me enough to give me water to wash my own feet, let alone, you, let alone wash my feet for me. But this woman shows up and she's Wiping my feet with her hair. Just saying. You didn't do the minimum. But she's doing the maximum. She's doing it all. If you're a host, the minimum, the least you could have done is provide is water. But you, but you, religious leader, you insist, here's why you didn't do it. You insist on first place. When you woke up and you got out of bed and you, here's what you did. You said, I'm having Jesus over today. I better let him know who's in charge. And you know, 
You would think that that's bad. You know, me and you, we look, man, that's terrible. But that's what I do. That's what I do. I need to let Jesus know who's in charge. So Early, earlier today, we read Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. What we didn't read is that the house that they're at is somebody else's house. It's not, and all of the, Jesus and disciples are in the room together and none of them, none of, technically none of them are the hosts. So the question comes up, who's going to wash feet? There ain't no servants here and this ain't our house. I'm not the host. So who's going to wash the feet? And here's why. Here's why. First place. Every one of them woke up and said, I'm in first place. And this is where the drama happens when, the two, when, when you say you were in first place and you say you were in first place and when they come together, trouble. It's trouble. This is why we fight with our kids. This is why marriages fail. This is why we can't get along. I insist on first place. And so do you. So do you. This is why when pandemics happen, I, you know, we can't count on ourselves to be the heroes in every situation. It's because everybody puts themselves in first place. And that's what was happening in that room that day. And, and, and maybe, maybe the best of them put themselves in second place because Jesus is in the room. And if Jesus is in the room, then you better, you know, you'd be like, well, I know I ain't in first place, but I'm better than all of y'all. So the best of them might have put themselves in second place. And so while they're all debating and arguing about that, Jesus flips the script and does something incredible. It was already incredible enough when he said, you know what, I'm, I started off here at first place and I'm going to move down to second place before the, for you, Father. But then he does something crazy. He moves down to third place and he moves all his disciples up to second place. And he washes his feet and he washes their feet. And he says this. Do you guys understand what I just did for you? Do you you get what I just did? I took third place. Now, you do that for each other. You do that for each other. The way that I have loved you, you love each other like that. This is, this is after doing, after willingly taking third place, this is how he says, he says, I did it all. So now I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Oh, Jesus, love one another. Okay, we get it. Love. One, is, is there any specific way? Can I just love one another any way I want to? No, no, you can't. 
You love one another the way that I have loved you. Third place. Third place. That is the way I want you to love one another. The Lord first, everybody else second, and you march your behind down to third place. Third place. When you roll out of bed every day, you've got the right to take third place. You do not have the right to take first place because there's somebody else, there's somebody else in the room who earned that. I'll let you figure out who that is. Third place. When you wake up in the morning as the day is getting started, march yourself down to third place. And this is totally counterintuitive. Without thinking, you and I automatically walk, we walk, we walk here. And if you don't think about it, this is where you're going to end up your whole life. Your whole life. And it will ruin your life. You, you think it won't, but without trying, this is where you end up. I'm inviting you something better our command I don't like to be commanded right if my wife says to me Daryl I need a coke get it for me I command it I don't like to be commanded Jesus says this I give you a new Command, which means do it. Third place. Get in there, take third place. Take third place. I want to do this even when troubling things happen, even when I'm exhausted, even in this world where. It is so troubling to me at times. I want to take third place all the time. So next Sunday when we meet together, it's going to be 2021. The first Sunday of the new year. And I want us to start off the new year together in the right position. Third place. Third place. And what, what you're going to find is that there's a lot less fight for third place than there is for first place. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. And th- this is in our bulletin, so the, you know, if, if you want to pick one up, if you didn't get one on the way in, here's what I want you to do. Because, again, third place is not come intuitively. It's not going to come in, unless you are intentional. I want you to pray. Father... Help me to embrace the position of third place. And throughout the day, you could just say this to yourself because you're gonna, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fist fight. It's going to be a fist fight. You say this prayer. Embrace third place. Embrace third place. Somebody's going to say something whack to you. And you're going to be ready to fight them, not because of anything they did, but for something they said to you. And here's what I want you to say to yourself. Embrace third place. 
In third place, third place, get, don't get me wrong. In thir- third place is, isn't like a floor mat that you get to get walked on. But what third place does do is sometimes third place walks away so that it can come back at a different time and talk with respect and honor. I want you to pray that. And here's what else, I'll, here's, here's what else I want you to do. I want you to read Philippians 2, 5 through 8 each morning. Now, you're going to forget, right? <laughs> I forget. I forget. I, I, I give out some, I, I'll say something that's in a sermon and then I forget to do it. So put it in your phone, put an alarm in to remind yourself. Maybe, maybe the, the alarm just says third place. I want you to pause a moment in those, in those times and pray the prayer. Father, help me to embrace my position of third place. And I want you to read Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And if, if that takes five minutes. It takes five minutes. And, and, here, and here's what Philippians 2, if you don't know what that is, basically it's just a set of verses that articulates how Jesus marched himself from here to here to here. And he says this. It says, Jesus did this, and that's what your mindset should be too. And it's not going to happen by accident. What's going to happen by accident is you're going to end up here. So this is my invitation. This is my invitation to, 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 to live into this, to be actually live our lives in third place. Then we will be the kind of people that we want to be. Then we'll be, then, yeah. So each week when we take communion together, we remind ourselves of the death and resurrection of Christ. And, and we remind ourselves to move our butts from first place where we naturally drift to Back to third place. This is part of what we, when we get together, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We, we remind each other, hey, 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 come on, bro. Come on back down with me. We're both going down to third place. Communion is, is that opportunity for all of us to go together. So, and lots of times when I'm doing something, it's a lot easier for me to do it with some people that I love than it is for me to do by myself. First place has been earned, and it's been earned by Jesus Christ with his life, his death, and his resurrection. And if we dwell on that, if we dwell on that, we would never dare. We would never dare to try to take first place in our lives. Let's dwell today as we take communion on the life, the death, and resurrection of Christ. And how incredibly wrong it would be for any of us to deny him his rightful first place position in our hearts. But the beauty is for us to learn to embrace the beauty of third place. Allow me to pray for you and we'll spend a few minutes taking communion together. If, if you didn't get one of those prepackaged cups on your way in. They are out on this center table that you had to walk by in order to get in here. Um, after I pray, you're welcome to, to walk out to get one of those and come back in. We're just spending a few months thinking about that. Maybe you can pray the prayer. If you want, look up, look up Philippians 2 um, on your phone while, uh, while, we're, while we're taking communion together. Um, 
While that's happening, the, the song will play. At the end of that song, I'll come up and I'll close this out. Let's pray together. Dear God, as, as, we, as we take time during this, the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, we want to learn how to be willing and intentional about taking third place and then we want, to, we want to have you explode that for us. We want, we want to help have you show us what that means. When, you, when, when we read that you want us to, to, to love like you loved people, we agree with that. We are, we are on board with that. We like that. We don't often, often we don't know what it means. So I pray that in this series, as we develop what it means to take the third place, I pray that you'd help us to not not be able to do it once or do it every once in a while or do it on Sundays, but to live our lives in third place. You first, others second, us third. Help us as we take communion to recommit to that, to, to, to correct our drift, and to reestablish right relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.